Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we are talking about the language and one of the reasons to read text and the idea of social, the novel as a social phenomenon or what, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, forgotten his name. I'll get his name. Yeah, I met him and he died and all that kind of thing. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the novel is Social Semiotic, that's by Roger Fowler, right? Yeah, so Roger Fowler is a statistician, right? And Roger Fowler is talking about the novel as a social semiotic, right? Yeah, so the idea of semiotics is something that we talk about in linguistics, and he's talking about how semiotics works in uh, culture, right? Yeah, and how the novel is one of these kind of genres that preserve your social kind of culture which exists, right? Uh, of course, uh, what was interesting and uh, he was from the University of East Anglia, right? And they had a very, very strong culture studies department, right? And uh, yeah, Ralph Farrow came, Farrow if I'm not mistaken, yeah, came to our university in North Gujarat and he gave us, he was doing a lot of things in Darpan Academy in Ahmedabad, right? So he was doing a lot of things with actual drama and he gave a lecture on Hamlet, right? Uh, very, very interesting because you're talking about how do you feel when you encounter drama, right? And the lecture was, uh, he asked for some volunteers and about three or five students volunteered. He bandaged their eyes up so that they couldn't see what's going on. They were shaken around, yeah? And he had the first part of Hamlet was said, who's there, who's there, who's there? All around, right? Yeah? And he went around doing that all around the stage, right? So you get this kind of feeling and the responses, right? So these are different methods of teaching literature, right? Yeah, uh, not much work is done on teaching literature and I hope some of you take this up, right? Because how do you teach literature, right? Yeah, how do you teach this idea of, and he's a theater person, right? So he was from East Anglia and of course you got Roger Fowler was teaching literary and non-literary stylistics, right? Yeah. So uh, I didn't go and see uh, Professor Farrow, right? Though I met him in in Patan, in North Gujarat. Yeah, and he, he gave us a lovely lecture, right? Yeah. So anyhow, uh, they were from the same university, and the idea of culture, the idea of consciousness, all this kind of inter interesting things come up, right? Because uh, when we're talking about consciousness uh, and how how consciousness is structured. We are also talking about how the novel matters, right? How drama matters, how literature plays an important role in changing our perception of the world and how language changes this perception of the world, right? And in this uh, bit of the chapter which I'm doing, that's chapter six of part three, right? You have, and I'm taking all the time because uh, there are important concepts which we have to talk about and keeping in mind the uh, notion that uh, Northrop Fry is saying that Emma is not a romantic, right? Yeah, and to some extent, I believe what he's saying, and to a lot of extent, you, you're not very sure, right? Yeah, because when we talk about the adventure, uh, the, the, uh, the picnic, right? To an uh, picnic is two words uh, or hyphenated word of here, right? So we concentrate on the language because that's something that 
all literature students have to do, right? Yeah. So when we talk about the word picnic, yeah, it's a hyphenated word and not one word uh, as we have today, right? Yeah. So son-in-law has a different kind of meaning at that point of time, right? Yeah. And today son-in-law would be uh, the person who a daughter gets married to. Uh, at this time, uh, son-in-law probably meant that it was a stepson, right? Yeah. And uh, the whole idea of the stepson has also changed. The step brother has also changed because I remember not very long ago. Oh, uh, not very long ago, I was talking to uh, a niece of mine, a cousin's daughter, right? And I referred to somebody, and she asked me, "How are these people related to us?" Right? I said, "Well, uh, this is my grandmother's step brother." She said, "What do you mean by step brother?" Right? Yeah. Now the word step brother has changed largely because of the amount of divorces that keep happening in the United States. Right? Yeah. So somebody who's not related to you at all is called the step brother. Right? That's the meaning today. Right? Yeah, and in the past it was somebody. Uh, today it's called uh, yeah. So the idea of the stepbrother in the past was the idea that somebody uh, got married again, and uh, they were related because maybe the father was same or the mother was same, right? And the husband was different or the wife was different. Yeah, and people used to die. Right? We we are still in the uh, in the midst of the so-called pandemic. Some people that deny that right but many people used to die a uh, hundred years ago right because medical care was not good enough right and they had all sorts of kind uh, viruses and uh, diseases coming up which we didn't have uh, there were no remedies for right yeah uh, like my grandmother had uh, the Spanish flu right and when she got well and she went out of town there were no phones right uh, of course, my grandfather had a car that's in the 1930s. After that, he lost it, right? That's a different story, right? But what's interesting is when she went out after she got well, she found that all her friends had died, right? Anyhow, to, uh, to take us from there, right? Uh, the idea is when we're talking about the stepbrother, today we call the stepbrother the half brother, right? Yeah, and the idea is. Uh, how do you look at uh, what is going on uh, in different ages, right? So the idea of the stepbrother has become the half-brother and I brought up all that kind of thing because 100 years ago, death was common, right? And especially in India, most people, if they lived till 50 years old, it was a great thing, right? Now, the lifespan has increased, right? And in fact, somebody was talking to me yesterday and I was talking about Professor Dave who died uh, because of COVID-19, right? And uh, yeah, and uh, this person said, but how old was he? I said, 77. He said, well, my father died at 84. I said, yeah, but uh, this person was okay and going around, right? Yeah, so we're talking about lifespans, right? We're still in all those kind of worlds, right? So we're talking about name changes, we are talking about the categorical changes. Now, what is called a stepbrother in the past, a uh, hundred years ago, or a little less than that also, right? Uh, 50 years ago, and I'm still, I was still using that. And my niece said, look, uh, you don't call it uh, a stepbrother, you call it a half-brother, right? 
Yeah, because in the United States, the language changes because society has changed, right? So in the United States, you have a lot of people who get divorced and married again, right? So if one parent is the same, then you talk about them as a step, a step brother or step sister, right? Yeah, and sometimes you have a person who is not related to you at all, right? Yeah, and that's a different kind of a uh, relationship, right? If one person uh, has a mother and father, uh, yeah, right, uh, a mother and father different, and uh, yeah, so and if uh, a person gets married to another person, okay, and uh, there is a, a, a child by another wife, right? So uh, if you have a different father and a different mother and you're still joined because these two people have got married, right? Yeah, so it's his children, her children, right? And what do you call Archer, right? Yeah, and that's actually a name of a movie which I never was able to go and see because I was a child then, right? And I was always curious about his mind and ours, right? So his children, her children, and our children, right? So when it's talked about our children, that's the, the ones who are the real brothers, yeah? And his children, right, uh, is the uh, other person's, the man's children and her children. So the, the, the children between, uh, who are not related at all by blood to each other, right, yeah. Uh, and not by the father or the mother, right, yeah. So those are called, uh, yeah, uh, those are called uh, the half-brothers, right, yeah, uh, or the step-brothers, yes. You have a question, please ask. Somebody had a question? So, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, it is a bit out of context, but as you said that earlier people used to buy not at such an old age. But isn't it true that earlier in India, people used to live very long? Like, that's what we have heard from our grandfathers and fathers. That people used to live for very long. Uh, that might be mythology, right? But uh, otherwise, no, right? Because if people would live for so long, People have like had a life expectancy which is so long, right? And if you, this is a sociological kind of question, right? Okay, because uh, the notion of getting, stopping working, right? You look at the universities, right? Even today, the whole mentality is still the same, right? It is by 42, people stop working, okay? They don't do any any kind of research work. They just think, well, everything is done, right? And it's a question of a change of mentality, which has taken place because of something called uh, the idea of the United States, right? Yeah. And the United States is challenging something called ageism, right? So you say 50 years old is old. I remember when I was a child, okay, when somebody said, well, he's 50, that means the person is almost prepared to die. Right? Or they had an expression which was very interesting, half leg in the grave. Yeah? Right? Yeah, so uh, that's the idea. Half leg in the grave, both legs in the grave. Right? That means the person is going to die any time. Okay? All those kind of things happen. Right? And you can see in my own life, I can see that people died in se 70 was thought, thought about as old. Now nobody is thinking of 70 years old. 80 is not thought about as old. Right? Yeah? In fact, I know somebody who got married at the age of 80. Right, and he's 92 and he's a family lawyer, right? Now he's 92, right? 
but <laughs> that's as interesting as it gets. Yeah. So I'm not very sure that's true, right? Of course, in the midst, people lived long, right? And that's across cultures, right? So you have that in the Bible, you have that in Indian mythology, okay? Uh, yeah, maybe they did, right? Uh, maybe they didn't have viruses. We don't know, right? But we do know that when when colonization begins, a lot of people die very soon, right? Yeah, and uh, some people, of course, if they live in a village, they're, they're shielded from viruses and they're shielded from bacteria and they're shielded from infection, right? So that would be one of the reasons why they would live, right? And of course, nutritional deficiency is also a reason why a lot of people died, in India especially, right? Yeah, uh, and even today, right? Uh, we are protesting about the farmers, we are protesting about the, uh, the laborers, right? Now these are the people who die very easily, right? And they die very young. I don't know how many laborers live, okay? We are, we are, there is something called a lifestyle disease today, right? Which didn't happen in the past and I'm very happy that you got it up because when you're talking about this novel, you find that people are walking, right? Yeah, and that's not a problem, okay? If you don't get a cart, and a horse, right? You walk, right? And even riding a horse is not very easy, right? So when you're talking about riding a horse, it also means that you have to, and that's something that gets into the chapter at the end, right? Yeah. The idea is that Charles, uh, uh, what's his name? Frank Churchill comes riding on a horse, right? Yeah. So what happens to him is uh, he's hot, right? Not hot in the sense of sexually hot, right? That's, of course, today, that's an innuendo, right? Yeah, so you say I'm hot and then it means uh, sexually hot, right? So this got a double meaning, right? But uh, I'm hot also for the Americanness, you know, you say, well, are you, are you okay? And are you feeling uh, uh, tired? And then they say, no, I'm just hot because I've come walking, etc. Et right, yeah, and that's the same kind of meaning that we have over here but it's about riding a horse, right? And uh, the journey is something that uh, makes you, uh, you have to cool down. That's what uh, Emma tells uh, Churchill, right? Yeah, Frank. So uh, that's something else that, and it's good that we brought it up, right? Because it's important for us, right? In India, you normally don't, don't work, right? After you're 42, right? That's the, one of the reasons why our universities have gone to the dogs, right? Yeah, and uh, what is interesting is when I was a math student, uh, uh, we had to study a theorem called Zorn's Lemma, Z-O-R-N, right? If you have done maths, you would have done that, right? And uh, that's almost in every introductory uh, chapter to almost every book, right? Yeah, and we had a... Uh, uh, a student of Professor A.D. Joshi who went to Bloomington, Indiana, right? And when he came back, uh, and he did his PhD under Convoy, uh, that's J.B. Convoy, right? Who is the person who's written all this thing of uh, complex variables and all that, right? So that's a big name in mathematics, right? So when he came back to Pune University and he used to teach his teacher, right? And Professor Joshi was a great man because he was humble enough to sit and learn from his student all the, the words that have gone on, right? And then we had a discussion and we said, well, we, we were young people like you, 
We said, can you imagine that? Amira Tavli has come back from India, uh, Indiana and he's teaching A.D. Joshi, right? And then we, uh, and then they, they said, well, when, if you don't work for one day in mathematics, you go back by 300 years, right? Yeah, so that's an idea, right? Uh, which is important, right? And what A.D. Joshi actually told us is, he was talking about what he found out, right? And normally all the dilemmas that we have are Euclid and Cantor uh, uh, and all those kind of people who are already dead, right? But Zorn's lemma, Zorn was still working in a life, right? And he was in his 90s, right? And that's something that the university allows you to do over there, right? Here the university terminates your services, right? After a, achieving a certain age, right? Yeah. So that's, it, as long as you can work, you're allowed to work because the idea is you're young, right? Yeah. And that's a very important thing that we have to talk about because, uh, and it comes again over here in this chapter because Mr. Woodhouse is someone through the novel, yeah, who is, he's not an invalid, right? He's still moving around, right? Yeah. And there's care taken of him and he's only a little reclusive and that comes again and again up, right? That is uh, aging because of the mindset, right? And actually he's physically still quite okay, yeah? And uh, they're very bothered about his health and they're very bothered, uh, they're taking care of him, okay? As we do in India also, we look after old people, right? And we're very cautious about their health, right? Yeah, and in fact, I had uh, the misfortune of uh, an old person, I mean, uh, for me it, it was old, uh, he was in his 70s, right, yeah, and uh, I was not really bothered about him being old, but uh, he had just been out of hospital, so I was looking after him, he said, no, no, don't talk to me as if I'm an old and a sick person, right, yeah, uh, uh, so uh, that's something that you might to, like to think about, right, uh, somebody has sent me a message, right, I can't answer that, right. Yeah, so that's something else that you might like to think about, yeah, because when we're talking about uh, the idea of age and ageism, which is something that uh, at one level exists in India, right, yeah, if you see a person uh, riding a cycle and you say, oh, that's not for your age, right, yeah, if you see somebody standing on your head, that's not for your age, right, so these are categories which we, a culture, uh, yeah, what is, Obvious to one culture is not obvious to another. That's not my stuff. That's by Catherine Belzi, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah. So uh, the idea is how do you actually look at the obvious in a culture, right? Yeah. And what is interesting when we are talking about this is we are talking about this idea of the party, right? And the idea of Box Hill, right? So they are saying that well, let's go and see Box Hill, right? It's like going to power guard, right? Because there's nothing else that we have over here, right? Except power guard. Maybe that's a good place. And everybody, for one of options, right? They just say, let's go to power guard. And that's easy enough for us to go, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, I come from Maharashtra and I come from a place, uh, I normally lived in a place called Pune. So you have what you call the tro the the word called a hill station right around the place. So you have Mablashore, you have Lanavla, you have uh, Mataran, you have uh, uh, Panchgani, 
Okay, you've uh, got a lot of installations around. So when you you've got many options, right? And over here we don't have all those kind of options, right? Yeah. So uh, so this is something that is important, and some people have never gone to it, right? Yeah. So that's something that you might like to think about. Yeah. And the idea is being called Box Hill, right? And of course that doesn't happen. And uh, Donwell is supposed to or Donwell or Donwell or whatever that's. Uh, called right? and uh, maybe it's probably done well because uh, she's actually looking at the house and the house is supposed to be bigger than Hartfield, right? Yeah. So please remember who comes from where, right? Yeah. And uh, you have uh, the other, uh, yeah, the, uh, the other word, the other house where this woman. Elton keeps talking about what's the name of her house. It does, can somebody so Maple Grove. Maple Grove, yeah, right. Yeah. So you have Maple Grove, you have Highbury, you have Donwell, and then you have uh, what are the Westerns house? Uh, something with art? No, the Western. The Westerns. Randalls. Randalls, right? And then you have the uh, the farm which is the place of Robert Martin, that's what we call it. What's the name of it? Uh, Abbey Farm? Is it Abbey Farm? I don't remember the name. Yeah, because they're looking down at it somewhere here, right? I don't know where I'll find it. Yep. Uh, yeah, please remember all these things because if they give you, it looks like that's going to happen, right? If they give you a uh, uh, if they give you a MCQ test, right, then you have to remember all that. Even otherwise, we are supposed to remember it, right? But I've forgotten the name of it. Yeah. Uh, Abby, what Abby is it? It's Abby. Uh, right. Uh, I don't know what the name of it. Right. Can somebody remind me what's his name? Okay, find it out and come back, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Abbey Mill, right? Come on, yeah, I I forgotten that. Abbey Mill Farm, right? That's where the Martins come from, right? So uh, these are important names. Please remember them because we're talking about something called location, right? When we're talking or uh, the question of place in literature. Right? Yeah, you might like to think about that. How? Oh, you have uh, a writer called uh, uh, Graham Greene who says the place makes you. Right? The place makes you. Okay? And you can look at that, and that's a question that you might be asked about this whole uh, novel. Right? If you say the place makes you, right? How does the place make you? Right? Okay? What are the culture of the place? Right? And they have this. Uh, Sorry, I lost that line. Yeah, a very interesting line which is talking about the culture of England. Yeah, that's in the strawberry farm, right? Yep, right. Yeah, I'll come to that, right? Yeah, so uh, one of the ideas is the ageism, the other is the idea is of this idea of going out and the small town mentality and not having places. And interestingly, Emma has not gone there at all, right? Yeah, and the culture of Emma that she neither agrees nor disagrees. Neither disagrees in public, nor agrees with it in private, right? Yeah, so that's uh, showing the
the complexity of character that uh, Austin is developing, right? Now, another important thing is when you have the strawberries, right? Mrs. Elton is always doing a homework, like many of us do our homework, right? And you look at the, the, the way it's given in the text, right? You get all these things about strawberries, right? And uh, it's almost as if she's going to have uh, a, a kind of, yeah, I don't know where that's gone, right? But you can just look at it, right? And you can see the idea of the strawberries. And uh, yeah, it's almost as if you're writing an essay, right? Where you fill in all the blanks, right? Yeah, you, you write an essay and your essay can take uh, a, a lot of different terms, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you might like to look at all that strawberry uh, stuff, right? And the idea is uh, uh, a, a very interesting thing that she says, right? That is, they're talking about strawberries, right? And the discourse, in a mind at least, is about strawberries, right? Uh, and, well, uh, that's up till now, you find that Mrs. Elton always tries very hard, right? Yeah, and she always tries to impress. She's always trying for this cultural kind of position that she has, and maybe as Mrs. Weston and uh, the idea of what's the other person's uh, uh, Emma, right? They look down on her as one of these new rich people who don't really have a background, but has come up, okay? And she's a new person, right? Now she's trying to. Uh, what's important if you look at the post-global uh, situation, the post-global is the post-American situation, right? We were talking about sales situations and survival situations, right? And uh, when we talk about a business model, we're talking about a sales situation and a survival situation, right? And the sales situation is actually, uh, the, the, the idea is you're either selling a product or you're selling yourself, right? Yeah, so what, uh, Elton is actually doing is Mrs. Elton is trying to sell herself very hard, right? She's trying very hard, yeah. And actually, today when we look at it, we feel very bad for people like that, right? Or we feel uh, a little sad, right? Yeah, because people are trying to get even, right? And especially that's happened in our country, right? Yeah, and I remember this. I used to cycle. I bought a scooter because I was not supposed to cycle, right? And I had to go to the university 10 kilometers away, right? And the, the minute I could cycle, uh, then uh, I got onto my cycle, right? Yeah. And I didn't even care for the scooter and whatever that is, right? Yeah. And there's a, 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 a classmate of mine in the maths department, right? And he used to come cycling from very far away, much, uh, maybe double the distance. No, not, not to the university. It was about the same distance as I, right? He used to come from a different direction, right? And uh, a little less maybe, right? So one day he says, you know, I want to get uh, a bike. So I said, but why? You're cycling and that's good, right? And they said, no, right? But everybody else has this, right? And when I told a friend of mine, I said, how can you think of all these things, right? And then this person says, well, it's so sad that somebody thinks that getting a bike is an important thing because that is as good as uh, a motorcycle, right? That's as good as saying, I belong to a different class of society, right? Yeah, and then I began to think about it and I felt very sad, right? Yeah, so we're talking about things, right? 
and this is something that has been this is something that society does to us right we have to have this kind of thing we have to have that kind of thing to be acceptable right yeah and uh, uh, the people who have all these things yeah that's what the novel is talking about right and that's why I'm bringing it up right they are, they're actually talking about Mrs. Elton and they're talking about why did she go and say Mabel Grove all the time right yeah and why did she say this is so large and this is so small right yeah so uh, all those questions come in again and again right and one begins to wonder uh, how do you deal with it right yeah and why is this why are these questions there right uh, so maybe today after reading Gramsci and after reading Ambedkar and all those kind of things we can talk about these things as uh, not only that but there's uh, the other person called Pei Bodhiu, right? Who is a sociologist or gives a lot of sociological insights, right? Where we're talking about culture and we're talking about money, right? Yeah, so having money is not about having culture, right? Yeah, you might be very rich, right? But you don't have the culture. And somebody might be very poor and have the culture, right? So that's something that we see in Jane Fairfax, right? Yeah, and that's the issue that at this point of time, uh, the insights of Jane Austen are really very interesting, right? And when we look at it from Gramsci's perspective, and Gramsci is in the 20th century, right? Uh, he's treated badly because he becomes, uh, he's an Italian lecturer and he becomes a, 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 a kind of Marxist, right? Or what is called a Marxist, but then he's now called a neo-Marxist because of all his writing and he's talking about culture the Marxists only talk about money right yeah and economic economic poverty is the only kind of poverty which leads to all the other kind of poverty right but Gramsci doesn't say that right Gramsci says that look there is you might have the money but the culture doesn't come right and that's exactly when at one level you feel very sorry for Mrs. Elton because she's trying very hard to acquire that culture right yeah, in the past, people took English literature, right, to acquire this idea of culture, right? Yeah, and that's in India, right? I remember my guide telling us, or telling a Marathi student, yeah, he said, when I was an MA student, right, uh, I used to live over here on the campus, but all the other people who were very sophisticated used to come by car, right? And why were they coming by car, right? Why were they coming to study MA, uh, do an MA in English, right? Yeah, first of all, the, that time Pune University would be have been thrown about as outside the city, right? There were no buses. After seven o'clock in the evening, you'd find it very difficult to get to the university to get out, right? Yeah, the buses would be uh, done away with. Right? I'm talking about the about eighties, the nineteen eighties, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about that, is you might have the money, right? But the question is acquiring culture, right? And English literature was thought about as acquiring culture right of course that changes in the 80s right in you in europe right uh, in england and also in europe right and it also changes in india very soon after that because you find a lot of people taking off from the crisis in english studies in england right where people who are working class enter the universities the same thing happens in india right yeah so you suddenly begin to think of it differently because in India you get people who are not only from a lower class like this classmate of mine who are talking about but he's probably also a person who was from a lower class, a caste, right? Yeah, 
and the idea of being equal, being middle class, having the idea of the middle class tag, which is an American idea. So you can just see the kind of currents that are coming in, right? Yeah. So we are not autonomous. We don't have our own culture. We don't have all those kind of things, and that's not available, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not available in India, and it's not available anywhere else in the world, right? Unless you are cut off from society, like the Jarawas or uh, some kind of tribes like that, right? And even then, I don't know how cut off they really are, right? So we have to think about all that, right? So when we're talking about the idea of who we are, who we become, right? We are all uh, tied with all these things of economics, right? We are also tied by the idea of what is supposed to be high culture, right? And we're all trying to do that, right? Uh, yeah, when you have these big debates about should English be taught, should English not be taught, uh, what is the use of English, right? The very same people send their children abroad, right? The very same politicians who say, well, we get rid of English, they send their children abroad to study, right? And this is all across all party lines, right? Yeah. And they want a very sophisticated kind of an offspring, right? So uh, it's not about money, it's not even about power, but it's something that's called culture, right? Which can be experienced, can be felt, uh, yeah? And that's something that you can't assess. You can't assess it in uh, numbers because one of the interesting things that Knightley says over here is numbers are important, right? Yeah, uh, either Western or Knightley. But uh, you just find that line out because I think that is uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, they're talking about uh, the numbers are important, right? Because if you have a party and you have many people, right? Yeah, uh, that's when the numbers become important, right? So uh, you might like to think about that, right? Because many people would like to say numbers are not important, right? We're talking about quality, right? Yeah, and. Uh, when people talk from an ELT per perspective or a language perspective, they're talking about how many, right? Yeah, and that's when literature is not talking about how many. What is the quality, right? Yeah, when you talk from a language perspective, you say how many words does Shakespeare use in this text, right? How many new words does he come up with, right? Yeah, or here you have this word called uh, the caro spouse, right? Yeah, and which seems to be in Spanish, maybe it's French. Right? But it's definitely not an English word, right? And she keeps using it. Sometimes it comes in, in italics, right? Yeah? And that's my expensive husband, right? Uh, it's a kind of translation of my dear husband, right? And that's punned around, right? When you somebody says, uh, my dear son, right? Yeah? That's when the father says, the son costs too much for me. Or my dear daughter, right? Yeah? So it's dear as somebody who I'm very fond of, right? And it's dear in the other sense, that is, it's actually costing money, right? So uh, you, uh, uh, he or she is actually costing money, right? So uh, so that's a pun, and we all know what puns are, right? Uh, yeah, I think uh, that much is expected, right? Now, of course, there's another word which is very interesting over here, and uh, after that I'll stop talking word words, yeah, and I'll just get on with uh, an idea, right? Uh, I, I can't stop because the idea is linked to a word. French thinkers are talking about the concept, the word, right? Uh, the concept and the word, how are they related, right? And the cognition of it, right? So, uh, 
when we he's talking about when they're talking about this strawberry picnic to Donwell, right? He's actually uh, Knightley. George Knightley is actually talking about. Well, you can go and have your strawberry party, right? Yeah, and you can get and pick strawberries and eat strawberries and have a good party, right? And of course, Miss Elton is thinking about the English culture and strawberries and the strawberries are the best fruit in the world and I don't know where strawberries come. Uh, the, the strawberries actually originate in England, right? Yeah, and she also uses uh, a very interesting word, sorry for going back to words, right? She uses a word called hot boy, right? Not H-O-T, it's almost pronounced the same way, H-A-U-T, B-O-I-S, B-O-Y-S, right? Yeah, hot boys is another word for strawberry, right? But the word hot boy, you can check it up in the dictionary, right? Is for a musical instrument called an oboe, right? Yeah, which has, uh, it's, it's slender musical instrument, yeah, and it's got this, uh, yeah, I, I, I've forgotten the etymology, it's got something to do with a, uh, a, a wind, uh, uh, this, these two pieces of wood which pr produces sound. It's actually a woodwind, right? Yeah, and it's conical, right? So this strawberry is also conical. Maybe that's how it got the shape. I've not been able to find that out, right? Yeah, and in some places uh, you don't have, when you write hot boy, right? H-A-U-T, B-O-Y, right? Uh, you, uh, you won't uh, get the idea of strawberries at all. Only some places they tell you that well, strawberry is a oboe and strawberry is a, 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 a fruit, right? Yeah, a plant, right? So that's something else that you have, right? And of course, strawberry has become suddenly very important because of the discourse that's going on in Mrs. Elton's head, right? Yeah. And there's another word which this man called George Knightley uses, which of course has changed in the 200 or odd years that we're dealing with, right? Yeah. It's called alfresco, right? Which is probably French, right? I don't know where the origin is, right? I have not checked that up. I will, right? But when I was doing it some time ago, uh, I was working on uh, in a travel site, right? A dot com, which was a travel site. It was called uh, Spice Journey, right? Yeah. So I was a I was in charge of the team. So uh, one person gave a, a, a write up, and he, he used al fresco dining right yeah and we have of course a big laugh right uh, and uh, i think i said uh, in marathi you have the word overabam right which is naked right and that's used by pk uh, atre right i don't know whether it's a common marathi word right uh, i don't think so it might be uh, some kind of derivative right i don't know about that you'll have to ask the marathi department right so when this person used Alfresco, then we actually went and checked it out, right? And we found out that you can't, you can't use it uh, the way it's used over here, right? Yeah, which it says this alfresco party, right? Yeah, alfresco is dining out, right? Today it's used as dining alfresco. It's always used like uh, uh, the body politic or, yeah, you don't say the political body, the body politic, right? It's always as a post modifier of a noun, right? Yeah. So it'll be dining al fresco, right? 
Okay, so I don't know whether alfresco parties are allowed, right? Alfresco is meeting, eating out, right? So uh, Jane Austen is interested in the, uh, in the word, right? And she gets all this kind of stuff because he's talking about, and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, and I hope uh, I'm going to take a little more time, right? Uh, perhaps, or we'll do that tomorrow, right? The idea of nature, which Knightley is talking about. First of all, we're talking about romanticism, right? And we're talking about the idea of nature, right? Which is a neoclassical concept. And if you want proof for it, you go to Pope, right? Uh, Pope has this essay on man and essay on criticism, right? Yeah, so in Essay of Man, he's actually talking about a line which says, but nature still and nature uh, methodized, right? Yeah, what is culture? Nature methodized. That's Pope's definition, right? Yeah, uh, that's from the nature of man, right? If I'm not wrong, right? Or it's nature, uh, uh, not, uh, yeah, nature on uh, essay on criticism and essay on man, right? Yeah, so you just check for both of them, right? That's one. And the other thing that's important for us to look at is the idea of how does this idea of nature keep changing, right? What is the idea of nature in Shakespeare's time? What is the idea of nature in the neoclassical uh, neo time or uh, the Augustan age, right? Yeah, and this is very close to that, right? And the idea of nature which Knightley uses is probably from the idea of nature of the neoclassicals, right? And I, I was actually thinking this morning that when we're talking about nature, and uh, Rousseau is coming up with this. Rousseau is an Enlightenment man, and he's talking about the noble savage, right? Yeah. Okay. And the idea of being a noble savage is returning back to nature, right? Uh, uh, and you don't learn the arts and you don't learn the sciences because uh, these are things that have corrupted us, right? The arts and the sciences have corrupted us. So let's go back to nature, right? And you find, and that's very romantic, right? Yeah, so when we are reading this, where does George Knightley come from, right? Yeah. Perhaps he's not a romantic in what we call romantic today because the romantics are some people who have actually gone and talked about nature, right? Yeah, and they take nature uh, a little uh, further on than the neoclassicals, right? But when you study nature for the American romantics who are much later, right, and are at the almost at par with the Victorians in England, right? Yeah. So nature is something else for them, right? And nature is things which are something that the English would never do, right? Like for instance, Wordsworth wouldn't, wouldn't even use such expressions as a shoot. He'd never even give you an image like that, like you have in, uh, in Walt Whitman, right? Yeah, you have a murder in the street and uh, that is a suicide in the street, right? Yeah, and you have somebody uh, who has blown out his brains, the gun is there, and the blood is lying around. All those kind of images, Wordsworth and Coleridge and the British romantics would be too polite to do because of the earlier age that affects them, right? Yeah, so you might like to look at that, and if you can find some real, ugh, terrible kind of image, right, in the English romantics, uh, I think that would be very interesting. Right? Yeah? And uh, because even if he talks about the breast of a woman in the Man Mother poem, right? Wordsworth uh, is 
uh, is actually talking about the, the woman, the mad mother is talking to the child, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, the idea of decorum, which was a neoclassical idea, is something that keeps happening in the romantics, right? So uh, yeah. So if we are going to construct an argument against uh, Northrop Fry's argument that uh, Emma is not a romantic, right? I think there's a lot of things to do over there, right? Because the idea of nature is something that happens in the established uh, in the neoclassical age, right? And the idea of nature, right? And everything is natural, right? And that's what not nightly says, right? So when we have a dinner over here, it's going to be natural, right? Yeah. And you have two versions of nature: the strawberry fields, right? And come back into the house and have pigeon pie and cola. Right? Yeah, I think that's what he, he says. You can have all that, right? And you're talking about this uh, dinner, uh, which is cooked, right? So when we go to the structuralist, or we go to a man called, uh, what's his name? He died the other day at 103. Ah. He's an anthropologist. I get his name, right? Yeah, anyhow. Uh, the Raw and the Cook. He's written the book, The Raw and the Cook, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't get his name. Anyhow, fine. Let's just go on, right? Uh, what happens over there is you have nature, right? And actually, when I was reading that passage, for me, it appeared more Victorian than ever, right? And I was wondering how this can be, how this comes in to this text, right? And it's probably because of that. And if you want, I can read the passage out. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, it comes in from the idea that nature is already talked about in the neoclassical world or the age that is just before Jane Austen, right? So the idea of natural is the cultural is also the natural. That's what Pope is saying, right? Yeah. So nature, society, all these things are natural, right? Today we use another word called naturalized. Right? Yeah? And the idea of naturalized and natural are two different things. Right? Like when we talk about the caste system, we're talking about it being naturalized. When we talk about the class system, we're talking about it being naturalized. When we're talking about capitalism, we're talking about it being naturalized. Right? Yeah? So you think that this, okay? And the lockdown has made us think about all these things again. Right? Because what is natural, yeah? Uh, yeah, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm winding up, right? Yeah, so we please think about all these things, and I won't talk about that tomorrow. So uh, we'll talk about other things, and you can ask questions about all these things, yeah? Yeah, thank you for uh, reminding me that I have to stop, right? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I don't know
Yeah, we'll start in a while. 